The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to another exciting, action-packed edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Memes podcast. I am your host, Lenny. How are you guys? This episode, I think we do a real podcast, sort of. My guest is Sean Grogan. He is a uh, former cop. He uh, works for Street Cop Training. He's uh, written a book, and we're going to talk about what's in that book, and we're going to talk about him. Really good, in my opinion, podcast, a lot of good information, a lot of good rants. I think you'll like it. But before we get into the podcast, of course, I got to give big thanks to OfficerPrivacy.com for supporting yet another podcast. Every Sunday podcast has been brought to you by Officer Privacy. Assuming that you're a new listener, what does Officer Privacy do? They take your information off these people's search sites. You may ask yourself, why is that important? Well, a number of reasons. Your identity, you don't want your identity stolen. When it comes to law enforcement, we've seen many cases where guys and gals are involved in critical incidents, and their information is just right up there on these people search sites, and they may have media coming to their door, they may have protesters coming to their door. You don't want your personal information out there, and so officerprivacy.com gives you a little bit of peace of mind. I've had several people over the year send me messages saying, hey, I was involved in this or that, and I wish I would have signed up sooner. I am a paying customer. I pay for the premium service, which means they do everything for me. I can just sit back down here in the dungeon and make some podcasts, and I don't have to worry about doing that. Now, some of you guys like to do that stuff. They have a do-it-yourself option. You can do that, too. They also have a referral program, all kinds of good stuff, and the owner, Pete James, has been on the podcast before. You can check him out, listen to him, Get an idea for the guy he is, a worthy investment. So, take your privacy back, officerprivacy.com. All right, well, we'll get right into the podcast. Uh, Just a couple quick things. As always, we are uh, getting towards the end of season two of the podcast. Season three will be coming soon. we got a few more episodes to finish out here in season two. Make sure you guys are uh, telling a friend, spreading the good word. I appreciate about you guys. And it's also the holiday season, so, you know, instead of, Buying some present somebody's not going to really like. What is a better gift than a t-shirt from yours truly? We got t-shirts, mugs, all kinds of good stuff. K Fanta Designs has got the Christmas ornaments. And then, of course, my boys over at Ghost Patch have all the cool coins. Awesome, unique gifts to give to people. So, 
Nobody wants another pair of socks unless it's a poorly made pair of socks. Crown Vic socks, just saying. All right, without further ado, let's play a little bit of music and we'll get right into the podcast with Sean Grogan. By the way, check the uh, links in the podcast to get all his information. We're going to play a little Apollo's Army and we'll be right back. Now joining the podcast from the land of the Jersey Shore, I have Sean Grogan, who's going to enlighten us. We're going to actually do a real podcast. He's going to teach us how to be cops, right? <laughs> Just a, no a few extras. A few extras. No, not, yeah, hopefully everybody listening that is a cop knows how to be a cop. Well, you know, you would be surprised sometimes, but I'm not. I'm not here to judge no matter how fun it is. Usually I would open up by asking somebody what they're having to drink, but it's like three in the afternoon. So probably not drinking, but I, again, I'm not here to judge. You have anything to drink? Right now I'm drinking a Gatorade, but my drink of choice is Black Barrel Jameson. If you're a Jameson drinker and you haven't had Black Barrel yet, you're wrong. You know what? I'm going to put that on the list because I do enjoy Jameson. So I am a, I'm an Irish fuck, so obviously – it's mandated by law that I enjoy Jameson, so I'll have to check that out. I, uh, I'm i not drinking. I did mow my lawn this morning, and I did have a beer at 9 o'clock when I mowed my lawn, which uh, that might be borderline alcoholism, but that's probably okay. You're from New Jersey. I'm a big fan of Yingling. Is it as good as I think it is? Well, Yingling is from Pennsylvania. But so... it's in New Jersey, though. That's the first time I had it was in New Jersey. So, Oh, you can't get it out your way not no oh i didn't realize that you know that's something i never paid attention to yeah yingling's uh it's a good beer it's pretty popular you see it a lot my, my brother-in-law always has it in stock right over at his place so uh, i'm gonna ask about you and, and you're gonna tell us again how to be cops no pressure but while we're <laughs> on the topic of new jersey i made a point a while ago on the podcast and i, I was ridiculed for it but i i need to know from somebody that's from jersey Snooky is kind of cute right or am I yeah. way off base? No, I think you're off base. I've met a couple of the cast actually out back in the day. And I will say the one, I can't remember her name. She ended up actually working at EMS. But I'd see her out, out at like clubs and bars. And she was friendly enough. Um, the one Angelina. Remember the one that wasn't I, really on the show? I got to be honest. The only one I really know the name is, is Snooky. All the rest of them are, you know, they're basically... You know, Jersey Shore people, they all kind of look the same. <laughs> Not to, it's, you know, be racist or something. That, you know, it's funny because I actually get asked that around the country. Like, hey, is it, is it really like that? And the short answer is yes. Because <laughs> you go down there and you're like, everyone's tanned for the for the year. I don't know so much anymore because I'm older now. I'm not, I'm not running around the shore anymore. But when you would go down there, you could tell everyone's doing steroids year round, working out, tanning just to come down for that two and a half, three months that we have at the shore. And it's just, I, I'm not a small guy, but I feel small going there. Everyone's just beefed up. I mean, certain, and it depends on where you go. There's family areas too, where you take the kids and you can avoid that, but they, they have strict policies there. Like you can't even bring uh, coolers on the beach. 
You, know, you can't you can't even open it. They don't want any coolers on the beach because they know even a cooler you're getting messed up and we're going to the bars later. It, it just it depends on the town you go to. But what you see I've, on Jersey Shore, some of it's some of it's legit. I've been to Seaside Heights and it seems like okay. I thought I mean during the day. I haven't been at night. I was with my family, so I don't I don't know what it turns into at night. But I, I thought it was cool. Yeah, Seaside. That's actually. Down here, where I went to high school, you have your junior prom and senior prom. And junior prom, I think this is most of Jersey. You go down the seaside, senior proms for Wildwood, which is farther away. And I went to see, I didn't go to my own junior prom. When I was a senior, I had a, another girl take me to hers. And we went down. And, and seaside gets kind of wild at night. I mean, that's, I saw some things that I was like, wow. It was This was probably, this is the late 90s. And the seaside cops come and somebody, somebody like some traffic stop. I don't remember what happened on the stop. And I'm looking outside the motel window and uh, somebody's yelling, I got it on film. I got it on film. I'm like, what is this guy got on film? Well, he didn't have it on film for long because the cops came up and they took his video camera and smashed it on the ground. And I was like, well, I guess that's not on video anymore. You know, it's the late 90s. And <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's the uh, that's the good old days of policing when you used to snatch up cameras and destroy them. <laughs> you know, there's different times, and it's just uh, to think that that was something that they just did. And and I don't know if you're familiar the Jersey Shore. I, like you said, you've been there. They don't have all full time cops. They they get a population of a few thousand that could swell up to you know what a hundred thousand or more in the summer. So they have something called special twos and special threes. And a lot of them are, they're just cops for the summer. They don't have police powers when they're off duty. Um, and they, they just, you know, they do this for the summer and that's it. It's not, a, it's like a part-time gig. What could go wrong? <laughs> a lot could go wrong. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about you a little bit, man. So for the, the people that don't know who you are, did you grow up in Jersey? Is that where you're from? Yeah, unfortunately I'm from New Jersey <laughs> and I'm still here. Yeah. I grew up in, in Edison on the border of Woodbridge, which is where I worked for 12 years. What uh, what was your drive to get you into law enforcement? I was working as a laborer for a water company. And everybody else that I was in the Marines with, I was in Marine Reserve and went to Iraq with a reserve unit. And everybody that was in that reserve unit, they all came back and they became cops. And they're like, oh, you're going to love it. You got to take this job. I was like, all right, it wasn't something I grew up doing. And when you bring that up in the test, I'm not sorry, for the, the interview with the chiefs and the, uh, you know, the captains, they're kind of like, look at you like you're crazy. Like, how long have you wanted to be a cop? I'm like, uh, two years. You know, you get bailsies all since I was a child. So I got into it and I loved it the way it used to be. I got into narcotics. I spent the majority of my career in narcotics as a canine handler, gang investigator. I, I loved it. And the job's changed, obviously, a lot. What do you think you would have done if you didn't get into law enforcement? If you could turn back the clock, what do you think would have happened Ooh. if you didn't go that direction? Do you know? I might have stayed with the water company. It wasn't a bad job until the winter hits and you're you're digging holes, getting sprayed with water, and it's five degrees out. But otherwise, it's uh, it wasn't a bad job. It was decent laborers' job, and and they were taking care of guys once they got older. They'd, they'd put them in place like changing meters and things like that. So it, was, it wasn't a terrible job. I might still be there or I might have moved out of state to do that somewhere else. Now, I, it's interesting to me for a guy that, you know, didn't grow up want, wanting to be a cop, that you kind of got into these 
specialized assignments, which I always find it kind of interesting. I, there's at least to me, and, and you tell me if you think I'm wrong. There, I think guys in law enforcement just naturally gravitate to things. Uh, I think you have people like me that I just like being a beat cop. I didn't need anything special. I like the variety of it, but I, I see a lot of people kind of get bored with the variety because it, it is different, but it's all the same, if that makes sense. And then they get into these, you know, specialized things, whether it's traffic or narcotics and stuff like that. How long were you on patrol? I was in patrol for two and a half years before I went in. Uh, very fortunate. I busted my ass in patrol, try to make as many drug arrests as possible and narcotic and warrant arrests and any kind of proactive work I could do between calls. And I got very fortunate where I went in, someone was leaving the narcotics unit. And I was, because they, they do something called 90 day rotators. You get to rotate through, see what it's like and go back to patrol. And I just never went back. I was able to stay for the majority of my career there. And I got the canine while I was in there as well. And you, you talk about gravitating. It's something where when I got on, I was like, you know, I get asked by older guys, like the FTOs and stuff like, oh, what do you want to do here? And I'm like, you know, I, I, don't know, I like something plain clothes. Like I, I was never big into the uniform. I wore a uniform in the Marines. And I, I'm not. I don't like dressing like a, a ship bag or anything like that, but I, I like, um, I'm not really into the the clean press uniform. I had to do it, had to do it. It's not, it's not my thing. I'd rather just have a badge and gun concealed and walk around in plain clothes and, and do police work. Kind of like, you know, that movie departed when they say you want, you want to be a cop, but you want to appear to be a cap. You know what I'm talking about? Which part I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 I kind of, I kind of look at it that way. Like I never wanted to appear to be a cop. I wanted to go do the work and it used to be used to be a lot of fun back when you used to actually be able to do work and know if you did the right thing you would be uh you didn't have anything to worry about how things have changed what was there anything specific about narcotics or was that just kind of the, the closest thing to plain clothes you had uh, they had a street crimes unit as well narcotics seemed to be at that time was like the elite place to go in in the, the agency i was with so the there was something else they would call it like the it was like a burglary squad or kind of like a street crime. It wasn't really street crimes. They were attached to the regular bureau, and maybe they had to go sit on more surveillance. Where as we, you know, we would sit surveillance, but you could run out and, and jump on somebody hand to hands, and you know hit your doing more search warrants and things like that. But either way, I wanted to be in plain clothes, working and and just doing work, which was. It's pretty cool with the the dog. A couple places I'd go plain clothes, and I'd, I'd get stopped walking up to a scene. Because other agencies would call me. I'd shoulder length hair at one point, and uh, I would just stroll up, like forget to have my badge hang around my neck. It's like, whoa, where are you going? I had one guy unholster his weapon on me. He didn't point it at me. Unholstered it in the car, and then I had another guy tell me his whole unit knew who I was, but he had joined uh, DA task force. And they were doing something combined. I walked into the house. They're like, oh, can you go get whatever? I'm like, yeah. I went to another location, ran the dog on a car, came back. This guy didn't know standing outside the house. And he goes, no, you got to get out of here. And I go, no. And he goes, listen, you got to go. Now the guys behind, <laughs> I see him and they're laughing. Yeah. I go, no, dude, I'm not. He goes, I fucking told you, get the fuck out of here. And they're just laughing. And they're like, yo, no, he's the, he's the fucking the canine handler. When I was a boot, like, just out of FTO on graveyards, we had this bar that it got shut down pretty quickly, but man, it had some great bar fights. And they put one of our Intel people 
plain clothes and I'm new. I don't fucking know anybody. And this guy's just kind of hanging around, checking things out. And, you know, I'm a rookie and, you know, I'm already heated from, you know, pushing all these people out of the bar. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Get out of here. And people are like, wait, 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 this guy's with us. I was like, oh shit. Um, So I've been there too. I feel that. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, I actually had the same thing happen even when I was a boot. I don't even think it was off FTL. And we went to a bar, bar fight. And one of the cops called. And I'm like, who the, who's the cop and who's not? Because there's people on, you know, some people have badges hanging out. Some don't. It was, it's, a, it's a confusing time when you don't know the guys in the unit. I'm going to give a little bit of free advertising to my buddies over at uh, Visiblue. They they have, like, some concealment stuff, you know, like beanies and stuff. So, you, you know, slap on a beanie and people know you're a cop kind of thing. But I guess since we're talking about it, it's uh, do you ever? I mean, you you kind of ran into it in like funny situations, but were there any hairy situations where, you know, cops misidentified you? No, I I was fortunate. The one guy that I worked with, I won't say his name. He's a dark skinned Hispanic male, really good friend of mine. He got called a couple times. They're like, "There's a black guy with a gun." I'm like, "I was just on the phone with him. I think he's going to do something." Like, you know, like I think he was, or he kind of on the phone. We had um a different radio channel, and I'm like, I'm switching channels real quick. Like, no, that's that's probably you know so and so. And I pull up, and I'm like, "All right, yeah, it's him." But he he had that a couple times, where you know you get someone that comes up that doesn't know you. They did a good job, or at least we did a good job of trying to show everybody and a lot of FTOs like, hey. These are the narcs. Don't shoot them. Yeah, that's a plus. Uh, don't be shot being a narc. Um, yeah. I guess uh, I want to go through your your bio a little bit, which uh, I'm up on Street Cop right now, which I'm looking at your picture. You're a handsome man, like all the people that work for Street Cop. Is that a prerequisite? <laughs> is you all have to be handsome, uh, beefy guys with big arms? I think I was the exception to the rule. I think they photoshopped them. You have to be able to do the crossed arm pose, as you can tell. Yeah, I so. would. I was. I was going to make fun of you for that. Um, I've made fun of Den for it. I've made fun of Kenny for it. Kenny's actually been on the podcast before. We'll get to it eventually, but I got to make my joke now. So the big thing you're you're into right now is, uh, you know, identification type stuff. You know, uh, body language. What what kind of message do you think it shows when you guys are all you know, with your, your arms crossed like that, which I'm looking at your arms. I got to say, those look a lot like Den's arms. So I think they did Photoshop them. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's one of those things. I actually go over that in the beginning of my class about the myth of the crossed arms. Cause if you look at stuff back from the seventies and eighties, there's books out there that would be like, this means it's an authoritative pose, but it, it could mean crossed arms like that can mean so many things. It could be an authoritative pose, could be a self hug. It could be that it's fucking five degrees out in North Dakota and someone's wearing a T-shirt trying to keep their their body warmth in. It could be standoffish, timid. It could mean so many things. It's not indicative of when he, it's not absolute or has one specific meaning. The same thing like any gesture, movement, and body language. I find it difficult in pictures to, I don't know what to do with my hands. You know, like the uh, uh, Ricky Bobby. I never know what to do with my hands and the pictures. So mm-hmm. I'm sure if you guys did something else, we would all make fun of you for that too. It's, I, it is funny though. I, I like the crossed arm look. It's a, it's, you know, it's a street cop instructor. If there's a picture with crops crossed arms, <laughs> that you know, like it's like, a, it's branding is really what it is. Um, yeah. 
I, I don't know what else you do. You know, it's not if you wave, people aren't going to take you guys seriously. They'd be like, oh, these guys are fucking cucks. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, I, a thumbs up is even worse. It looks like a stock photo. I I don't know what else you do there. If you if you stand with your arms down, that's fucking weird, too. That's the only other pose that I think is there's a couple of poses that are pretty highly confident in our culture. And I think one of them is the hands just down to the side because you, you hit the nail on the head. You said people don't know what to do with their hands. Right. So what do people do? They put them in their pockets. They fold them in. They hold them in uh, together in front of their bodies. They put them, you know, we cross our fold our arms. But when people are really confident, a lot of times you'll notice this with people that are in charge. And if they're talking to other people, they'll just have their hands down to the side. Um, in our culture as well, putting the hands behind the back, even the vital organs in the ventral front, no hands in front. But that's very specific to our culture in the United States. If you go uh, parts of Europe, Italians, Ukrainians, also Pakistanis, Indian, Asian, Indi- yeah, Asian Indians, you'll often see the hands being behind the back, where it's just a, a more cultural thing that you'll see more often. You don't see that very often in our culture. I remember I was in the soccer field one time uh, with my wife watching the kids play, and I was like, hey, I got a kid playing. I'm not just showing up to so- little kids' soccer games watching. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> clarifying that. Yeah, I just want to make sure everybody understands that. So there was one guy, I go, hey, what's that guy do over there? Because he was standing that way, and she's like, oh, he's a president or CEO of some company or something. I'm like, yeah, I figured. Because that's not how we stand too much in our culture unless we have that type of high-confidence, authoritative uh, position. All that is super interesting to me because I, a lot of it, you probably don't even notice you're doing it. It's just, that's what you do based on your social pegging, right? Oh, yeah. And it, and there's also, you know, individualistic preferences too. You might not even be a, a very confident person. It might not be part of your culture, but it's just a way that you feel comfortable. Maybe you get tight chest muscles for some reason and you stand that way. Or maybe it's just, I call them individualistic mannerisms. It's just something you do that you might have picked up familial or it could be genetic or it's something that just you do that it's just some hey i'm comfortable this way i stand with my hands behind my back you know another body language thing i think cops do that i maybe it was just my agency so you know i only worked one place so i don't know if other people do it and i think it probably depends on the uniform but guys in my agency would do the whole like almost like they're holding their football pads type thing with their body armor on calls, you know, maybe waiting for somebody to show up. You know what I'm talking about? Like kind of pulling down at the, uh, at like the chest, pulling the armor down. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, I, I can elaborate more on that when, when you, I don't want to cut you off. Though. No, go for it. I, I'm really curious about that. All right. So we do, that's obviously comforting. You're blocking the, your, there's, we've got the belt in front of us, or you might have the outer carrier. It's one of those things, this is comfortable to hang on there, correct? When you're doing it, you're usually comfortable. You see everybody do it. You've got that area, like you said, with with pads from football. I posted something on social media probably, I don't know, six months ago or whatever. And Because uh, I've got my own Facebook group as well on top of the street cop group. I think I posted it in all three. And when I posted it, uh, it was of a woman holding towards her neck, like the collar, in that kind of fashion. Now, she's not wearing pads. Now, you will notice very often when people are uncomfortable, they hold their neck, they grab their neck, they'll pinch their neck, they'll play with a necklace or collar around that neck. And the thing is, the neck is arguably the most vulnerable part of the body. When you think about what's in there, you've got your 
carotid artery, your jugular vein, your windpipe, your spinal cord, any of those things get nicked, you're fucked. Uh, nicked bad enough, I should say. So a lot of times when people aren't comfortable, they got their hands up there protecting that area. Now, that, like I said, I posted a picture of a woman holding the collar that way, and I got cops from coming out of left field going, oh, yeah, I guess I'm uncomfortable when I'm at work. No, this is bullshit. This is how I stand when I'm at work. Yeah, because you have that padding there, and it's easy to hold on. You don't have that stiffness. Think about it. If you've got a regular colored shirt, you're not hanging on to that. It's not a firm structure that you can lean your arms onto. So everything's going to be taken into context. And I used to do it all the time with the outer, car outer carrier. I don't remember doing it so much with the without the outer carrier, but I might have. I mean, we're talking years back now. You know, what, what I think is funny, unrelated to the body language stuff, is cops, as much as we, like, try to preach, like, being reasonable, the, especially, like, when there's any kind of maybe new or different information online, Guys can't have a rational dis discussion about it. Um, they fucking lose their shit, which I, I've I've done some reading, and I, I wish I could remember the, the exact term, but it's basically like if maybe you're wrong about something or you get new information, instead of processing that, you just dig in further to what you believe. And fuck, dude, people lose their shit about that. Uh, just the simplest fucking things online instead of, uh, I don't agree with this. It's like, fuck you, this is bullshit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's the um, uh, what's it called? You're talking about like confirmation bias, where yeah, people are looking I, to confirm what they know already, and everything else is bullshit. There was, I, I feel like I don't want to take up. You know what? I'm gonna look it up because I saw it. I've gotten kind of down the rabbit hole of this Instagram page called Uber Facts, which is pretty funny, but it also has some really interesting stuff. And I feel like I saw it on a. Well, I'm not gonna go through all those slides. That's not good for radio, but. Uh, I, I feel like I found the term somewhere there. If I get bored later, I might look it up and make it the podcast title. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's basically kind of like confirmation bias, which, God, there's so many different types of biases now. I can't even keep up. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll we'll talk more about um, the body language stuff in just a minute. So you went to Narcs and then uh, you got the dog. You were a detective, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'd spent... Two and a half years in patrol, went back to narcotics. I was in narcotics. I went back to patrol for the last year and a half, two years. So it was different for the dog because then I was back in uniform, not having to worry about anybody drawing down on me, which was good. I mean, I, I mean, another cop drawing down on me, I should clarify. Yeah. Well, I mean, you never know these days. Yeah. So I, uh, I posted a meme today, which... Today's November 3rd. I think this podcast will come out in a couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, there's always like the low-hanging fruit about detectives being fat. I don't know if they always are, though. I feel like more often than not, at least these days, detectives aren't fat. What do you – I mean, you were a detective. What What are your opinions on this? Well, I was, I was thinner when I started out. I'm not going to lie. But, I mean, I was also younger and his age would be all put on weight. But I, I think – it depends, obviously, on the individual, but I also, narcotics is a lot different than regular detectives. You know, the regular bureau, it's like a, unless I was never in the regular bureau, but I, just from seeing what goes on in our agency and dealing with uh, narcs where I worked, being a narc, and then working with other narc agencies, it's a different monster. It's just uh, a totally different ball game, And I don't know about 
as far as gaining weight. I think it depends on the person, obviously, who you get the there's detectives that are ripped up, you got the patrol that are ripped up. But I remember saying when I went back to patrol the second time, I'm like, man, I'm I'm not gonna be sitting in cars all the time, I'm just sitting and jump out a lot. I'm gonna end up like losing a lot of weight. And that that didn't happen, you know. And I'm not like severely overweight or anything. I'm not in terrible shape, but I'm also not uh I'm not ready to run a marathon tomorrow either. You know what I mean? It's it's a physically demanding job or it really can be. And then some days you don't do shit, but it's, you know, sitting in a car is just fucking terrible for you, right? And there's out, being out and about and being out and about at weird hours where only fast food and gas stations are open. It's just a recipe for disaster. But you are right. It is an individual decision not to be fat. <laughs> you bring up the food and I, I wasn't eating meat for a while i'm not a communist or anything like that i just want to see if, <laughs> i'm glad you clarified I, that i want to clarify i'm not a socialist or a communist but i want to i wanted to see if i could do it i actually did it for two and a half years i was eating a pescatarian diet so i ate seafood and i ate a lot of seafood a lot of salmon and then i was coming in and uh one guy I was working while I was bringing in vegetable sandwiches. He's like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, vegetable sandwich. It's like, what is it? And then COVID hit, and I was like, all right, it's the end of the world coming, so I got to get back on the meat so I could be able to eat anything, you know, hunt deer in the in the Jersey little patches of woods or whatever had to be done. There's a lot of fucking deer. I know in Staten Island. I don't know about Jersey, but there's fucking deer everywhere in Staten Island. It's the same way in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, there's deer everywhere. Where I live, there's patches, little patches of woods of deer living. And where I worked in Woodbridge, over 100,000 people, the town next to it, over 100,000 people, uh, each about 25 and 27 square miles. And it's just, you know, there's no farmland outside that. There's just more town, more city, more town, more city. And there's still deer. I had to put a deer down once my first time in patrol, got hit on the highway. And, uh, you know, we dispatch a deer. We have, like, little swamp areas over by, actually, part of Woodbridge borders Staten Island on a waterway. So it doesn't, the bridge doesn't go over there, but there's another city there, but you hit before going over the bridge. But we actually border Staten Island. It's the same thing. You get little patches of woods, and they live there in the swamps, the woods, wherever. They actually had a seal wash up one time, which, you know, you don't really see seals on the Jersey Shore. There's... I think they see everybody, all the orange people partying and pumping fists. They're like, we're getting out of here. You know, everyone's playing. Up. Remember that techno song back in the day? We got to pump it up. That's oh, yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 There's so they stay away. The the seals. But one of them came up in the waterways there. It, it got demolished during Sandy. I was actually working the night of Sandy. That was pretty, pretty fucking crazy. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I bet, man. You, you know, you don't think about hurricanes that far up, but you fucking get them up there, huh? Yeah, well, when I was a kid, we didn't get them. This is something recent with Irene and, and Sandy the last decade. before. And actually, Irene, I was in New Orleans when that happened. And, you know, it's weird because you think New Orleans, you think of uh, Katrina. And Irene hit here, and that was like bad floods. But it wasn't uh, – Sandy just demolished. I was pretty – you know, no gas for a week. And, you know, we're already angry as it is up here, never mind waiting in lines for gas. Why are you guys so angry? Because we live on top of each other. Think about it. You guys, you got. You want to go somewhere? Out, you can probably drive 30 minutes, be in the middle of nowhere in a lot of the country. Here, we're just on top of each other. Other theories I've heard is 
that we'd like to live on the West Coast, but we have family here, so we're stuck here, which makes us angrier because we got shit weather. Because, I mean, like, L.A., obviously, they're on top of each other, too, in a lot of that section. But we're the most densely populated state in the country, number one. Number two, where, you know, you've got no place to go, and our weather sucks. I mean, not this week. We're actually getting good weather this week, but our weather sucks. You could go, you know, almost a full month rain off and on, cloudy skies. The winters can be harsh. I mean, not as harsh as, let's say, many out in Minnesota or something, but. Yeah, it's those. That's my theory behind it. We're all on top of each other. So basically, what you're saying is New Jersey shouldn't even exist. <laughs> I think it exists for two reasons: Philadelphia and New York. <laughs> it's it, that's what it, it's in between both of them, you know. And that's just what it is. There's plenty of always been plenty of jobs and stuff. Uh, that's obviously changing with the you know Zoom meetings and shit like that. People could work remotely. So I've, a lot of people are moving out of here and then we get more and more New Yorkers move in because they want to get the hell out of the city, which from my understanding is it just getting worse and worse crime wise. What there's crime out there. I had no idea. Uh, just a little bit. What's what's the drug of choice in New Jersey? Heroin, heroin and obviously fentanyl being, you know, fentanyl laced heroin, but it's not, that's one thing I've found around the country from doing classes around the country is you get your, and it's, I always ask everywhere I go, what's the drug of choice? What's the big drug? And it's either heroin or meth or, and a lot of times they'll say fentanyl to me. All right, you got heroin, you got fentanyl, or they, it's a combination of the like, yes. And it's meth and, and uh, heroin. Was fentanyl even a thing when you first started doing the narc stuff? Or is that like really within the last couple of years? I'm trying to, uh, the first year I started, maybe not, but within a couple of years into it, all the drug overdoses, because we were tasked with investigating those as well, they would, everything would come back fentanyl usually in the, in the, uh, the toxicology report. I, I, I missed it or, or maybe there wasn't a lot in Colorado and, and maybe it's more of a thing now based on the, you know, the time frame I left, but I never came across it. Like I remember um the the training videos where it's like don't touch it or if you die i and i don't know if that's true or not actually here's a fun story let's talk about fentanyl a little bit so i for those that know i worked for street cop for like a month and i was doing some social media stuff and i posted uh one of the instructors had uh some stuff on fentanyl and so i posted it a video and it was around the same time as i think it was the kid the rookie down by san diego um had a reaction and it was crazy looking at the comments half the people are saying oh that fucking kid faked it there's no way that could have happened to him and then everybody else is saying oh yeah that's that's legit if you you know if you touch fentanyl you could you know die or whatever have a reaction to it can you enlighten us about that like what's the fucking truth about that luckily i never come into contact what i do know as far as canines you remember canines sniff everything right they got their nose literally in the air trying to inhale stuff to find it and one of the guys that went to canine school with his dog was in an area where it was either heroin and or heroin and or fentanyl they never even saw it they ended up pulling it out of the area afterwards but there was enough in the air where he was almost home with the dog or got home and the dog collapsed so it's one of those things. If it's in the air, my understanding is you're, you're going to have a problem inhaling it. However, 
Is it is it somewhere if you touch it? I, I don't know. We were always told where your PPA, your personal protection equipment and all that. I mean, half the time, unless it came out of someone's cab body cavity, you were just like, all right, give me that bag. And you're like throwing it in the, the evidence bags, you know. Um, we're really a little bit more cautious over time. But I don't I don't really know how strong it is. Oh, a lot of it now, my understanding, is being pressed into pills. Like it's they're doing the fake blues. You know what I'm talking about? The the fake oxycodone, the fake oxycontin pills, and they're pressing them like that. So it looks like the old M30s, and then they're um they're going in and uh, selling them. You know, people know they're fentanyl, but they don't look like fentanyl on the outside. You spent probably close to a decade on the narcotics end of stuff, right? Well, yeah, it was uh close to seven years in in narcotics. Okay, about seven. From the time you started to the time you got out, was there like a big change as far as sentencing went? Because, I I mean, really the whole time I was a cop, I felt like there wasn't really any sentencing. There wasn't really any treatment. It was basically, you know, arrest this guy. He's going to spend a night in jail. And then they're going to get super secret probation over and over and over again kind of thing. And there wasn't really like a an end game to it, you know. Uh, occasionally the, the dealers would get hooked and do some time. And that was nice. But I, I felt like even, even the last couple of years, the uh, uh, nobody really cared about drugs. I don't know if, what your opinion is on all that. Yeah, we, we saw that. I mean, one guy, it wasn't my job. It was another guy's job. He got, I forget how many bags of heroin, thousands. And then they gave her probation. You don't have thousands of bags of heroin as a user. Like, oh, here's probation. Then she got caught with more, I think, like a week after the probation was given. And it was like, ah, you know what? Here's some more probation. You know, that's just the it's the thing. I don't know. That's you know, the laws are there in place for a reason. If if you really wanted to, you would have stricter laws. I'm not saying being like some countries we're cutting hands off and things like that, but it comes to a point where if I know I'm not gonna have any consequences, what do I care? And you get surprised every once in a while someone does. You're like, what do you mean they got three years in prison? <laughs> really? Wow. It's crazy. You know, I, I made a point on a on a podcast that's not out yet about uh, – I kind of went on a rant as far as like, you know, they talk about like the drug war was a failure. And yeah, we could probably point at some things that weren't so great. But look at what's going on right now. Um, the leading cause of death between 18 and 45 last year is fentanyl. Yeah. That's a big fucking problem. Oh, yeah, because in all reality, what are you going to do? You get caught. You're going to do three to five somewhere for selling. And that's after how many other times you got caught that they merged into one. You know, and it's you go, you do three years, you're back out, you do the same thing again. And you probably learn more stuff when you're in prison that you can use out on the street. It's There's a losing battle, and I don't think it's so much from, from the, the law enforcement end if things got upheld later on. And there's a lot of obstacles law enforcement have to go through. Well, you know as well as I do. You're not just running, doing whatever you want to go get drugs. There's you got a lot, lot of rules and regulations. Not only the law, you got your own policies, your departmental policies. Then you might have supervisors that don't want to do certain things on top of the policies, the laws and everything. Well, I don't really want to go do this and that. Let's do it this way. And that way is going to take an extra two months or something. It just... If they wanted to, you, you look at these countries, like I said, I don't, we're not, we shouldn't be lopping off hands and stuff like that. This is America, but 
you look at a place like uh, I think I forget where it was. I had a guy in a class out in Haida training in the Bronx. I went to. He was like an exchange cop, I guess you'd call him. He was a student who came in. I think it was from Hong Kong, and he was like, "Yeah, we were like, oh, what happens if someone possesses heroin over there? How much time they get?" He's like, "Death." And we're like, "What?" what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they were like, "Well." No, but what about like a small amount? He's like, death. And we're like, whoa. Now, listen, if you know, you're going to get, I'm not saying put people to death for this. I think that's reserved for murderers. And I, I think we should be killing child molesters. But for the most part, if you if you said, hey, you get caught with this, you're doing 30 to life every time and upheld to it. Number one, everybody that's selling is going to be off. And then everybody else is like, shit, I saw that. I'm not doing that. I'm not selling. I'll go sell something. I'll go sell cocaine. You know, and I, and I think that's where it needs to be a, a big difference as well. If you're selling cocaine, that's totally different, in my opinion, from selling heroin and fentanyl. We got to talk about this real quick. Um, do you know what I think should happen to pedophiles? Yeah. Play it. 100%. That's why I listen, <laughs> I listen to one of your episodes, and I say this all the time. Like, you molest a kid, and then you're supposed to be going to prison for a few years and let out? No, no, you ruin that kid's life. Yeah. But that's yeah. that you know problem is that's not politically correct and people are, oh my god you're gonna take someone well we get well, what you know but no one cares about the victim anymore. nobody cares about that child that had that happen to him. yeah that, him her, and, you know? I, I was listening to something at npr you never know what you're gonna get kind of thing when i was uh, driving into town today which is such an iowa thing to say yeah i was driving into town today <laughs> but driving into town, and I, I just happened to NPR I was playing, so I listen. And sometimes it's interesting, but I guess there's a loophole in the slavery amendment where people can be basically when they're uh, in prison, you can still be subject to having to do shit you don't want to do, forced labor kind of thing. And you know, so they have this, which you could debate for and against, sure. But they had this guest on, and they're talking about how it's all bad and evil and stuff, and. Like, do we forget these fucking people did shit to people? Like, jail's yeah. supposed to suck, you know? Like, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, good people fuck up. You know, you get DUIs and stuff like that. But you're you're paying your debt to society, not just taking a time out where you get to play on a fucking Xbox. And I, I, I don't know. Jail doesn't actually sound so bad anymore based on what I've heard from people. It's uh, Jail should be not somewhere you want to go. Uh, we could have a whole debate on reform, whatever. But more, back to the drug thing, I, I agree with you. Like the, the user stuff, like uh, I don't know how I feel about the disease addiction kind of thing. I don't know. I people say it's a a disease. I don't know. I I think you make a choice to do a drug, generally, um, and then you continue to make bad choices, and then that leads to addiction, right? Or do we want to lop off the hands and put people in jail for five years because they had? some math no we don't i think the the goal should be to help them so they can be productive members of society and you brought up an awesome point they're just going to go to jail and learn how to do even worse shit but the dealers man that they're ruining people's lives not to the same level as a child molester obviously but they're putting the shit into people's hands that is killing them and we're just giving them super secret double probation yeah it's it's mind-boggling and i didn't see i actually just listened to tim kennedy's book probably a month ago and he was bringing up because he was haunting the uh 
people that were selling like the, the human traffickers, shit like that, selling girls. And he was saying around the world when he did it, he was going to a couple locations, but he's found that people that run uh, drugs run girls. He goes, it's a lot of times the same thing. If they're not doing one, they switch to the other. It's kind of like interchangeable because they don't really care. If I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I found that kind of interesting because I actually never found that to be the case, at least where I worked. But then also other countries, maybe the drug trade isn't as lucrative. Maybe it's more lucrative to to run girls and things things of that nature. But my thing is, if you're you're the kind of person to do that, that's an issue. But if you're told, all right, listen, if you run girls or if you sell fentanyl or heroin, you're going away for life. But guess what? You know, you sell cocaine, you'll probably just do five to ten. Well, guess what? Most of those people, I would imagine, maybe I'm wrong. You're gonna go, all right, fuck this. I'm gonna go sell cocaine. But make sure that po- cocaine's not laced with fentanyl because then you're going to get, you know, the 30 to life. So what you're advocating is you're pro-cocaine. You've mentioned how great <laughs> cocaine is a couple times already. <laughs> I'm not I'm not, and I'm not saying legalized cocaine. No, like like we have marijuana and everything. Um, no, I'm not saying that. Actually, you want to hear something funny? I was just in the marijuana shop yesterday for the first time since they legalized in New Jersey because my old dog was trained on marijuana and he hasn't worked in over a year. So I'm like, Oh, let me get this stuff and put it out for him. And he went like crazy. He was all sorts of excited because, you know, he hasn't got to do that work and got his reward of the rolled up towel. And when I'm there, I'm like, man, this is, this is just weird. You know, like this is, and I've, I've got mixed feelings about the weed. I'm not against it by any means. You know, I don't know if you're aware, you know, cops in Jersey can smoke weed, according to the attorney general. I don't think they went back on it either. I, I'm um, going to do a a podcast with a, a New Jersey cop coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks. And uh, I was going to ask him about that because I remember him posting about that, which is I, <laughs> unrelated Um in my in my research, because everybody knows that's what I do. I don't. I'm, I'm a researcher. I'm a, a scholar. Uh, I was, you know, watching this video on marijuana, and I was like, "Kind of sounds awesome. Why don't I smoke marijuana? This is awesome." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I it's uh it's illegal in Iowa, but I I wasn't aware that. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense that New Jersey is one of those states that allows it. I. Me personally, I don't. I, I worked in Colorado, so I didn't really give a fuck about weed. Um, I, I don't know. It's from the earth. Uh, it's bad, but so is alcohol. Alcohol is bad too, and yep. people abuse the shit out of that. So, yep. you know, where's the line in the sand? But, but you and that cocaine man, you sound like you're a big fan. Well, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I, I, uh, but you know, that's one of those things that people could do one night. And it's not, they're not breaking into your crack cocaine. Maybe if you get, even though crack though, the addicts I meant that, that were heroin actually use like crack for fun. And, you know, you, you ever talk to a crackhead? A lot of times they're like, well, it's not something I need every day. It's just something I do kind of like, I mean, an alcoholic, yeah, mostly they're going to be uh, drinking every day, but like cocaine, someone go out on Saturday uh, to the bar and go do cocaine. And I, I'm not saying it should be illegal because I don't want my kids using it. I don't think it should be, uh, brought up to the point of like marijuana where you're like, all right, I'm just going to go smoke this. People smoke other things, eat edibles. I you know, I don't think we should be doing lines of cocaine everywhere we go. However, it's 
I don't think it's on the level, in my personal opinion, as something as dangerous to society as meth or fentanyl or heroin. My my dogs have done cocaine, so I actually did some cocaine at the same time that he did. I inhaled it. He uh he ended up ripping out a bag of coke from an exterior underneath the car. It was stuck under there. Um, it was not stuck. It was placed under there by the drug dealer. He ripped it out, and when he ripped it out, he started inhaling it. And then when I had to choke him out to get it, I didn't choke him. I lifted him up. People are gonna go, "Oh my god, he choked the dog!" Lots of lots of clarifications for you today. <laughs> yeah, I gotta clarify everything. Yeah, if people are gonna flip out, if I choke, no, I wanted him to drop it as quickly as possible. He was thrashing; it was in the air. I inhaled it. He inhaled it. He spent six days in the ICU and almost died. Uh, to oh, this shit. day, it, yeah, his esophagus went down to a third of what it should be. To this day, I have to spoon feed him soft food. Otherwise, he worked his whole career. You would never know he had a problem. Uh, I myself had to go fill out my report because my exposure report because I didn't want to piss hot for cocaine. I actually drove him to the vet 120 miles per hour high on cocaine and adrenaline, and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was so <laughs> upset. <laughs> I was worried the dog was going to die in the back, you know? I mean, it's it's funny, but it's not funny, you know? Well, no, I tell that joke on every class I do and everyone starts laughing. The first time I told it, it wasn't a joke. I said it like just nonchalant and everyone started laughing. I'm like, well, I guess I'm saying that again, you know? <laughs> yeah, you got to find what works, you know? Um, <laughs> exactly. I had a, a gal, it wasn't even my fucking arrest. It was like a senior cop, like, you know, one of those things where like the Sarge or the LT fucking find something and they call you and they're like, hey, come deal with this. <laughs> yeah. Fucking finds this chick with a warrant, knows he ha- she has a warrant. Ah, go take her to jail, right? All right. And, you know, I, I, I patted her down and all that stuff, but I, I'm going, taking her to jail. And then I hear this, you know, scratching on the fucking plastic seats. And I'm like, motherfucking, like, are you ripping up a bag? And she goes, no. I'm not doing that. I'm not ripping up a bag. And of course, I open up the fucking car and there's coke all over the back seat of the car. And I'm like, fuck. So I, I've got my gloves on. I'm trying to like wipe it off the seat into a baggie. And I'm like, fuck, I hope I'm not inhaling this shit. At the time, it really pissed me off. But then, uh, you know, it's funny now. But you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I made sure to get a little sniff. You know? <laughs> and there's, there's nothing that smells like cocaine's got a very distinct odor to it. And it's one of those things like, and to clarify, because I'm sure someone's listening and they're probably saying, well, because it's a, you know, you know, people always said, oh, you know, cocaine's a rich man drug. No, heroin's a rich man drug, too. You've got plenty of people with money that get addicted to heroin. My thing is people can go out on a Saturday, use cocaine and be done with it and not use it again or use it another time. Same thing like ecstasy, things of that nature. People take it. And I'm not saying let's legalize ecstasy either. But if you say, okay, we're having a problem with fentanyl and heroin, it's killing people. It's got people breaking into cars, breaking into houses, robbing pharmacies, robbing, uh, you know, people on the street, carjacking people just so they get money to go buy this stuff. Well, yeah, that's a problem. That That's not just, oh, this person decided to go by themselves at a party and, uh do cocaine off some mirror. I, I got like, I always got a picture in my head of like a 1970 house, you know, with the mirrors everywhere. Uh, to kind of touch base on what you were saying though, is, is I like what you're saying with that stuff is kind of like the way I look at, at weed, you know, like who, who gives a fuck? I don't, I don't know. Oh, fuck. I, yeah. 
at this yeah. point. What are you gonna do? I remember growing up thinking, how how is it that this stuff? See, everybody like you talk to has used it at some point. You know, I smoked before I went in the Marines, and then uh, you know you tell them. I don't believe people when they tell me they didn't do it. At this point, you're like, wait a second, are you serious? <laughs> you know, and people are like, no, really, I've I've never done it. I'm like, how is that possible? What do you mean you never smoked? You know, I I feel like. <laughs> That's what I should start asking people. I have all these dumb questions at the end. I need to start being like, so tell me about the first time you smoked weed just to fucking totally throw them off off base. Like, what? We can't. What? I don't know. <laughs> I it's it's funny that you brought up the cocaine thing. Um, there was a guy I knew that was a cop before I was a cop. Uh, I think he's still a cop, I don't know, uh, different state. And I was saying I don't some celebrity or something got, you know, popped with cocaine or something and I was making a joke on it and he got really defensive. He's like, so what? It's just cocaine. You tell me you've never done cocaine before. <laughs> I was like, and now you're saying it. So I'm like, what am I missing here? I don't know. But, you got to run out and do some cocaine tomorrow. I, I, there's a lot of it out here in Iowa. Let me, let me tell you. I, yeah. In Colorado, I'd run into meth and crack and just a little bit of the powder cocaine, but mostly hmm. crack and meth. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. Brad has 11 years' experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. I got a bunch of questions for you, and we got to talk about your book. But real quick, I need to do my officer of the podcast. As you guys know, if you listen to the podcast, every episode we recognize somebody that's not getting the credit they deserved. And I'm going to click on somebody at random because it is poorly made. And uh, let's read about this guy. So I want to nominate my partner at work. He was, uh, let's see, he was hired two weeks after me. And he's a solid guy. He'll come back up in any situation. We had a vehicle at gunpoint together for over an hour waiting for more units to arrive on the felony stop after pursuit. And he puts, because, you know, we're not often allowed to pursue, but he puts, yes, we are allowed to pursue where I work. After I left and returned to my old agency, I'd become a canine handler and an FTO. He's one of the most senior guys at times when the brass and supervisors are unavailable to make decisions for the whole agency. He's there. Been deputy of the quarter for our agents before. I've learned so many small things that uh, cover my ass all the time from him. And let's see. Sadly, he's leaving the agency uh, and lateraling somewhere else. I'm going to be the groomsman at his wedding later this month. I will greatly miss working with him. They have sushi Fridays and they're deputies. I just figured they'd have like hot dog and corn dog Fridays and bush lattes, but I guess they got sushi Fridays. So he wanted him to be nominated for officer of the podcast. So he is a winner. And uh big thanks to my friends over at Ghost Patch for uh, providing the patch and we'll send him one out. That was a poorly made reading right there. I try to read stuff so I like don't give away identities, but I usually just end up fucking it up and stumbling over words. But it's a good thing there's no expectation on this podcast. Let's kind of dive into 
a little bit about what you're doing now, which is like the body language recognition stuff. How did you get into that? So a few years ago, I was reading a lot of psychology books, like to find out why people do what they do, say what they say. One of the books I read talked about this Dr. Paul Ekman, who had created this facial action coding system. They had found out there's seven universal emotions in a face and that they were using this information to assist in detecting deception. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, I got to find this train. There's got to be some cop out there teaching it somewhere. I ran over the computer. I typed in the word facial. I hit the enter button. <laughs> and then some other things popped up. <laughs> so then I went back in. And I typed in facial expression training for law enforcement and I couldn't find anything. I typed in facial expression training. Long story short, I found stuff over in Europe. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Let me get the facts, the, the facial action coding system. That's for researchers, which I later found out. Then I started reading some books and you only learn so much in books. So I ended up deciding to go to Europe. Not only did I get trained in this stuff, but I got licensed for a lot to bring the stuff back. And I was able to pass the information on. And then on top of that, afterwards, I went to, they went over other things like statement analysis, there's statement analysis, other nonverbal messages, body language. Then I went to a body language Institute in Virginia, got certified as a trainer there. And just been, once you start like observing bodies, you just pick up on stuff that you've never seen before. Once you really like focus in, stop just listening, what's being told to you and Stop thinking, oh, what am I going to say next? But actually observe, you start picking up so much more. You said something that's I, I just want to key in on it is I think as a cop, especially if you work somewhere busier, you get so like tied into like, I got to fucking crank this call out and go somewhere else. And you're not really paying attention to what's going on around you. You're just, all right. He's not answering what I want him to answer. I got to ask him a different way. I got to do this. And you're so focused on that interview and doing it as quickly as possible that you kind of fuck your interview because you're really missing what they're telling you. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that. And not just what they're telling me, you also could be missing signs that someone might want to attack you or they might have a weapon on them. Because you're just like, all right, like you said, I got to get out of here. All right, what do you say this? I mean, I watched some of these body cam videos. I saw one the other day. I won't even say the city it was. And I'm like, what the fuck is he doing with his other arm? Do you not see this? Do you not see the blading away? Do you not see that stiff arm on the side? Like what? And then I won't even I won't even say what happened, but it's one of those you, you watch these. Cause if I say you just look, it's like I said, it just came out the other day in one of the one medium-sized cities in the country. And I'm like, if you watch people, especially as a cover officer, if there's two of you, somebody should just be locked in. Like, let me watch this person. This was brought up. I saw this behavior. Well, maybe we should ask more questions about that. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, tell me, you know, you know, somebody's lying. You don't know someone's lying. You can have a feeling. But the thing is, like, looking at things and say, okay, well, something's off here. Let me ask more questions about what I brought up. You tell me if I'm wrong, because when you first – by the way, I want to talk about how this interview um, came up because I want to crack a joke on somebody else. But you sent me a message and you're like, hey, man, this is who I am. I wrote this book. Uh, I want to talk about it on your podcast. I was like, fuck yeah. The reason I was so excited about it is I had somebody through a publicist send me an email like, hey, you know, I'm representing officer so-and-so and, -so and they, they're writing this book. I was like, well, he can fucking email me. I was so, I don't know why I got so fucking irrationally mad about that. 
which by the way, apparently I've made it if I have publicists uh, emailing me or apparently that guy has too. I don't even know who the fuck he is, but you just happened to email me within like a day of that one. And it was still in my brain. I'm like, this guy's fucking cool. He's not like a douche and he's actually advocating for himself. So I don't know what the point of that story was, but I, when you when you you said you know you talked about the body language stuff i got irrationally or maybe rationally mad about it because i felt like the way things are going in law enforcement right now not everywhere but in some places <laughs> colorado the the public <laughs> the legislature they don't take officers intuition or knowledge into account and i feel like it kind of makes it like you, you brought up the example of blading away and stuff like that, where that's that's a red flag. That's a fucking red flag. You know, in some circumstances, you're gonna put hands on them and search them up, uh, so you don't get fucking shot later or, or take evasive action. Where now, because of the current environment, I feel like guys are afraid to be reactive, in the off chance that they're wrong, or even if they're right, people are gonna say, "Well, he that guy wasn't doing anything. He was just standing there." So I'm not I'm obviously not shitting on what you do because I think it's super important for guys to be safe out there because that's the ultimate goal, you know, out of everything. And I know this is cliche is to fucking go home. But I I guess my question to you, with all of this stuff going on, do you feel that it kind of makes it tough for cops to act on the shit they see or what what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I agree 100 percent. And that's that's one of the things now, because. You know, you're not just seeing the past. When you first started, it was like, all right, I got to do the right thing here. Now it's like, I got to do the right thing here and make sure that my family's not, uh, needs to be relocated because some communist reporter is now trying to release my home address when I did nothing wrong. But you talk about, you use the word intuition. And I like that word because it's, something's intuitive in you. Something goes off, you're like, all right, something's not right here. But a lot of times you don't act because you're like, well, maybe it's just a gut feeling. And what helps is be able to articulate it to yourself. Not just, yeah, something's not right here. I don't know. If I could say, okay, I'm seeing an enhanced blade. I see a blading of the body away from me, one hand in the pocket, the other hand's doing what's known as illustrating speech, moving around while he's talking. It's the right hand in the pocket, about 90% of the United States right-handed. Yes, it could be one of those 10%. Uh, going the other way but either way there's a good chance there's something wrong here and you brought up patting somebody down that's something yeah that's what i always did something's all right i'll pat you down but we if we recognize a behavior like that i go over three types of blading i go over prominent slight and enhanced if you get an enhanced blade that's not something you see every day and intuitively there's one video that i showed during class the cop must have felt something was wrong because the guy illustrated speech with his hand twice. He was bladed the entire time, one hand in the pocket. And he goes, hey, you mind if I search you real quick? He goes, no, no, no. And he ends up pulling out a weapon and unfortunately shooting and killing an officer. And there's a good chance he was like, something's not right here. I got to pat him down. But if you notice a, a thing like that, you at least have a plan beforehand. You go, okay, well, if I go pat him down, there's a good chance he pulls a knife out and stabs me in the neck. There's a good chance he pulls a gun out and shoots me. There's a good chance I'm just going to end up getting attacked with whatever weapon he has. Maybe... Maybe if you know this is something you don't see every day, you I was very fortunate. I never had to see that behavior when I was at work. But you watch body cam after body cam after body cam, it's happening. You go take the step back, take cover, and call out commands. You know, have a plan. I'm not even saying that's 100% the proper 
response. Maybe you've got something you're having. You're like, well, I would do this. I would wait till backup shows up. I would do, you know, maybe there's some other Kung Fu fighting fucking move that I don't know about. You know what I mean? But there's got to be something where you at least have a plan when you recognize it's not just your intuition saying something's wrong here. No, I can recognize and articulate to myself. This is wrong because A, B, C, and D. Yeah, and it makes it tough not to get like too far into like the legal standards of things, you know, but, you know, we do have, um, you know, Terry v. Ohio and, and stuff like that. And we can, if we can articulate a weapon, we're allowed to pat somebody down, but the tact of it, tactics of it is always kind of interesting. Cause I think it really depends on where you go and uh, where I worked, at least when I started, we were snatching people up. Now we are, we articulated why we were going to do that. But the thought process was if I have, the jump, so to speak, on somebody, it's less, you know, the OODA loop thing, right? It's less likely yeah. for me to get harmed by this person because I, I'm i the one in control of this, not them kind of deal. And, and as a, in law enforcement, you, you kind of have to sit back sometimes because you have to have a reason to do what you do. But I, I think in these times, at least my perception is people are doing unsafe things because of the environment. And my perception is more cops are getting shot, more cops are getting hurt because they're doing this unsafe shit. And I think at least with, with your stuff, I, I don't know. I Here's my thing. Uh, and this is kind of a cliche as old as time, but judge by 12 or carried by six, right? You, you got to make your choice. And, you know, something as silly as just, you know, Hey, I'm going to pat you down real quick or snagging somebody up and saying, Hey, we're going to, I'm going to pat you down. And then I'll like, you know, whatever it is, wait, whatever your policy is, you got to follow your policy. But at the end of the day, you go home. Right. So it just, it sucks because things have become so convoluted where we knew if we played by the rules were cool, but now the rules are changing and they change by incident. You know what, what you did yesterday might not be okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not, I don't disagree with that at all. You're 100% correct. And that, even when you bring up, you know, if I get someone blading their body now, that's something, you know, you look, you brought up Terry V. Ohio and like, you know, we know you see a bulge on there, you got, and you think it might be a weapon, you're able to articulate that okay. But if I got someone whose body keeps blading away from me and I move around them and they continue to do, do the dosey do around me and I drop back, give commands, person, you know, goes down, I bring another officer to go pat them down well then there's a good chance that's going to go become case law as well well you didn't actually see a bulge they were just blading the body away but if you watch video after video video after time and time and you see someone pull a weapon out well that's a problem you know and, th and that's something that should be gone over i think in, in academies to begin with there's a lot of behavior you got someone blading their body like we do and they continue to do it while you move around well, you might have a problem. And it's not always going to be a weapon, especially if it's a slight blade. It could just be the person who's getting ready to punch you in the face. But let's be honest. What's really more important in the academy is the 1,800 different types of biases. We're going to spend a lot of time on that. <laughs> we're going to spend a lot of time on not taking a free Coke at the gas station. Maybe if we have time, we're going to talk about stuff that could actually help you. Isn't that crazy, though? I mean, we did a week. And I'm not blaming any of the instructors because obviously they've – this is all state mandated fucking whatever that the state decides some politician thinks you need to have, but you know, and they're doing the best they can The people that run it uh, in most circumstances. But you, you go there and you're like, why am I having a one week on community policing? 
And then you go there and you're like, all right, so community policing pretty much means don't be a fucking asshole. Well, maybe you should have, if you were going to become a cop, maybe you shouldn't have been an asshole to begin with. Maybe you shouldn't become a cop then if you need to be told to treat people with respect when you're dealing with them. You know, and I, one other thing that stuck out to me from the community policing, I still remember, it was like, hey, if you're in an area and a light bulb's out and everyone's on the corner, get the light bulb fixed. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, a, you know, they'll move to another corner. I'm like, all right, that's not a terrible thing, but you could have told me that in five seconds. I don't need to be here for a week to get one good idea about changing a light bulb. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I always bring up the point as far like the bias stuff. Like, if someone's a racist, they are not going to watch a PowerPoint and become unracist. That's a very good point. It's not going to happen. Now, I'm not going to discount like maybe to be more aware of things. Okay, but does implicit bias need to be four hours? Like, hey, guess what? You know, maybe you know you see the world through your lenses. Maybe think about other people's lenses. Done. Implicit bias is done. I did it. <laughs> right. I just for law enforcement, I, you know, I really feel like and this might be like the boomer talk, but I feel like the new people are really being set up to fail because they're not. I think the training's getting worse in the academy and they're not getting um, the level of training they should be getting to be successful cops on the road. Because it's, you know, it's like we had the whole thing with babies raising babies, but now we have that in police departments where FTOs are babies raising babies, you know? Yeah, well, that's, you bring up, you know, the, the setting up to fail. There's a couple agencies where I've talked to the trainers, obviously not going to say where, but they, they were telling me that the newer cops that are coming out of the academy, and this is a generalization, and this is what I'm being told by other people. When they go to those simulations, you know, the, uh, what are they called? Uh, you know, the computer screens. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they, when, they, when they go to these things, they said they get, the guys have been on for a while, guys and gals, and like, I don't need, you know, everybody say, oh, it's sexist because you didn't say, more, more, say clarification, guys, more clarification, more clarification. More clarification. I'm talking about everybody. It's something we say to you guys. Everybody knows that in New Jersey. So when you got people that are younger, they're waiting. They get they get a what's that called scenario where someone's running at them with a knife. They will wait till they're only a few feet away. And I was taught the twenty one foot rule, and that's even just a basic rule. You got people that are faster than other. If someone's coming at you with a knife, you know, guess what? At some point, you got to shoot them. They said they're waiting. They're like, "Why are you doing this?" And a lot of them will answer because I was trying to deescalate. Uh, well, if the person's coming at you at that point, there's what are you going to do to deescalate? And they said the older cops aren't waiting that long. It's like a step or two and they're going, that's it. You know, and, and the general public, they they don't understand. Like, oh, it's just a knife. It's just a knife. Uh, did you see the video that came out of Australia probably about six months ago with the in the mall? Like I got stabbed in the neck. No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's something I'll have to send it to you. You look it up, I think it was in, not Melbourne, it might have been northern, north, uh, east Australia. Anyway, wherever, what, Brisbane, Brisbane, however they pronounce it. They were at a mall and they would like argue and fight. They kind of squared off. Guy just went up within a couple seconds, you know, we know how it happens. A split second, boom, hits his carotid, bleeds out, right to the floor, blood's pouring all over the place. People don't realize it's that quick. Be like, oh, just a knife. 
And just as I've kung fu fighted out of them. No, like, why am I supposed to take the chance if you're coming at me with a knife? Well, I don't care if you're the most trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu fucking kung fu fighter. Like, you're really supposed to take that chance to not go home because someone came at you and could stab you in the neck? I mean, you, it just, it's just crazy to me. Crazy. <laughs> it's depressing, man. I just... I just feel so so bad for these new kids coming in, and I I don't want to paint a, a broad brush for the entire country. I'm I'm hopeful that there's still departments and agencies and academies still teaching people how to be safe. I I think you know realistically, society changes and and law enforcement's going to have to change with it. But when it comes to like safety issues, I I don't think there's a lot of room for budging. Like cops should be trained up on you know, the shit you preach and, and how to defend themselves. I guess to kind of jump back into you and not my rants about how terrible the world is. <laughs> so you, you get into this, you get, become an instructor and now you were a scholar. Okay. Not, not a scholar, but an author. How'd that happen? Well, it's one of those things I'm like, man, there's so much information that I'm not going to be able to get to all cops throughout the country. It's just not going to happen. And there's parts of that. I've gotten some rural areas. I was just in North Dakota a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago in Dickinson, which is literally the middle of nowhere. Um, like literally, I've never been in, I've been in some remote places, I thought in Maine and, and, and I, well, Iraq was Iraq, but like, I thought I was in some remote place. I'm like, there's nothing around here. I had cops come from all over the state. Like it was, it was decent turnout for being in the middle of nowhere. But for the most part, uh, you know, there's parts where I'm just not going to go. You can get information here. I, I've been told I thought I did a decent job. I'm trying to toot my own horn, but I thought a decent job of describing what I show in the class. And there's more to it than that in the book because I can, I can expand more than I do in a classroom. And there's studies that I go over that haven't reached law enforcement that, that are out there that should be passed on to us. And it's one of those things where I, I started out, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write this just for law enforcement. I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of people out there with the rising crime. I can make this apply to everybody. Now, it's it's geared a lot towards law enforcement. However, it's it could be read by anyone in the civilian world, and you'll get you'll get a good uh, a good uh, I a good amount of good. I'm being redundant. A good amount of information that you probably didn't know before. Now, I go over pre-attack and pre-flight indicators. And I focus on the pre-attack in there. And I do bring up the pre-flight for law enforcement, but there's certain things, you know, you're not really concerned as, as uh, Joe Schmuckatelli talking to someone out at the bar that they're going to run away from you mid-conversation. Unless you're that fucking boring, it's not one of your concerns. And, you, you know, it's pretty funny if someone just ran away from you. Like, I got to get away from this person. That's something that's going to be geared towards law enforcement. You mentioned, well, you didn't mention, but I remember reading. You were, Did you work with Grossman on this book? No, Grossman gave me a quote for the book. Oh, Grossman was, gave yeah, was, you a quote. Okay. Yeah, he gave me that. a quote. Yeah, I was pretty excited about that. I I could find the quote if you want it. I would love to hear the quote since I okay. fucked it up. Yeah, it's how good it's, this is poorly made. This is how good of an interviewer I am in wrong information. It's because I can't yeah. read. So if your picture <laughs> if your book has pictures, I'll order it. But if there's no pictures, I, I'm I'm not gonna be able to get it. There are four pages of pictures in the back of the book. Yes. All right. What about scratch and sniff? Do you got that? No, I'm, I'm working on that for my second one. That's okay. definitely good. 
and the pop outs as well. Oh yeah, I love pop outs. We gotta so have nice. the pop outs. Yeah. So uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman gave me the quote: "says Dynamite, pure distilled survival wisdom. I know of no other book like it. Beware the body belongs in the library of every individual who cares about remaining safe in a violent world, and that should be everyone." I was pretty excited about that because I. I don't know if you've read his books on killing on combat. I mean, they're in-depth, really, really good books. I mean, it goes into some some pretty in-depth stuff. I've on, got, on I've actually things. got on combat down here in the dungeon. I, I'm a I'm a Grossman fan. Uh, we've cracked some jokes on the podcast before about like the sheepdog and all that stuff, but it's really because it's been bastardized. So I don't know if that's necessarily Grossman's fault, but I I. You know, what's crazy is, you know, Grossman was a big, big part of my academy. Not that he was there, but we talked about that. And, you know, we got on combat in the academy and stuff. And I almost wonder, it, is he outdated as far as law enforcement goes? Like if if Grossman shit got brought up in academy now, would they go, whoa, 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 that is, that is too violent. We can't have this. That's a good question. Because I, and I'm not saying, when you say outdated, I, I, I think I know what you mean. That it's outdated to the to the academies and the politicians. Yes, that that's what I, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean it's it's good information. I'm just saying like it's not it's not PC anymore to, to oh, no. have Grossman talk. How could how dare you think you're going to be a warrior and protect citizens? You know that's that's the mindset of these people now that are so far like the communists that hate law enforcement just because you know and still when something goes wrong, who are they calling? You're going to be calling upon law enforcement. Well, the, my thing is, I just don't understand the demonization of law enforcement. You, you look at what he does, like, he's like, hey, this is what cops need to understand to protect themselves. This is the psychology behind combat, behind killing, and the, the things that happen to you physiologically. You know, that stuff, you're, you're not supposed to know that. You're supposed to just go there and, and you're, you're kind of our law enforcement. We want you to be our bitch. Like, no, no, that's not the way it works. Because how could you demonize people that are there for you? Like, I, I think of like ancient times. I, I like looking into history and stuff. Like, did did the Roman people? Did they demon? Did the the emperors of Rome demonize the Roman uh, warriors? You know, like it, it just doesn't make sense. It's just so crazy to to say, oh yeah, these people are here for us, and I'm a politician, and you know, yeah, they'll protect me if I need to, and they'll protect this, but yeah, they're garbage. It, it's just so it's insanity. I think law enforcement is one of the last groups in society that will tell you that you're wrong. And that's why it's such an easy target. I just, I don't feel like because of, uh, I, you know, everything's about positivity now, which don't get me wrong. It's good to be positive, but people aren't, you know, my truth. People are saying my truth, not the truth, but my truth. And they don't see how that language is problematic. And so when you have a group and it doesn't help, we work for the government, you know, I'm, I'm a red blooded American. I hate the government too. But <laughs> when you have a group of people that are, are basically the last bastion of saying something's wrong or you can't do that, what the fuck you, we can do whatever the fuck we want, which I get it. America soaring Eagles flying overhead. I got it. But there's, there's the line in the sand, right? You know, there, there's some things we can do. We can't do that. You know, you elected people to make laws. They made these laws. And so that's our job. And then you call us, you call us too. So there's this crazy expectation placed upon law enforcement and they forget their people. 
I I'm I'm I feel like I'm going on a lot of rants today. You got me a little worked up, but the, <laughs> you have this idea of law enforcement should be held to a higher standard. I completely agree with that. I totally agree with that. I know you're out there sniffing coke, but cops should be <laughs> do, doing coke. Um, <laughs> if you're going to be in law enforcement, you have to realize, and I don't want to fucking pity party. Um, if you're in law enforcement, you have to realize you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. Okay. There, there's no argument. I think it should be reasonable, but there's no argument for me, a higher standard. Okay. Totally get that. We want professional. We want good cops. Okay. Totally get it. I don't want some fucking slob in a uniform, uh, destroying people's cameras because they taped them or whatever. Right. I don't want, you know, we've seen some bad shit. There's no denying that, but society for themselves, there is zero, none zilch accountability. But people all day long, and everyone's guilty of it, will get on social media and they will shit on celebrities. They will shit on whoever. But no one's willing in our society, and no one's broad brush, not everybody is like this, but most of society is not willing to look in the mirror and say, what can I do to be better today? It's all, woe is me, Um, everything's terrible, which... Kind of is, but maybe it's your fault. Everything's terrible. Do you ever fucking think of that? <laughs> that That's kind of my rant on all this stuff is there. It's just like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's oh. fucking ridiculous. And to your point, how did we get to this? One guy in Minneapolis. Okay. A couple guys. Was that bad police work? Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking bad police work. Right. But we we cannot you know we, we can't point fingers at an entire group except for cops yeah then it's okay sure. i am yeah, apparently right. i am Derek chauvin and so are you you fucking pig yes and that's i think you hit the nail on the head there's the last group of society saying no don't do this don't this is the truth this is and people don't want to hear it it's a it's an interesting i've never thought of it that way it's really it got me got me thinking a lot it's it's just gotten so crazy. It's going to take something. I don't know what to change to turn things around for law enforcement as far as the positive outlook. And I, I really don't believe the, the what's it called? The winnings of the hearts and minds list. That shit didn't work in Vietnam. That shit's not going to work here. You're not going to go out and have hot dog parties and bring the fucking trucks. Around. Oh, see, we love the community loves us. The people that like you already like you because they know you're able to be there. You're not going to change the minds of criminals and people that support criminals. It's just... <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you needed an applause for that. Oh, thank it, you. Yeah, I, I go on that rant all the time too, dude. It's Look, I, I'm not totally against like saying hi to kids in the park or playing basketball with kids. Okay, cool, cool. That's fine. You know, we're part yeah. of the community. But if you're doing that as a means to like try and change people's minds, it's not going to work. It's not stop trying to impress people that are no matter what you do, they're not going to like you. A cop could cure cancer and people wouldn't take the drug because a cop did it. You can't, they're not rational people. And that's the other thing I think we're all really guilty of and society's guilty of is listening to fucking people. Just because somebody has a voice doesn't mean they're smart. 
Um, just because <laughs> someone's on social media doesn't mean they're somebody they should be looked up to. I mean, I I don't know how this is involved in this, but I saw this, uh, you know, I'm going through my newsfeed and there's this girl, she's a cop somewhere and she does modeling or whatever, which is like 90% of Instagram. And she's talking about her subscriptions and how people can pay $4.99 to subscribe to the behind the scenes. And, and I'm like, who the fuck are you? No <laughs> one cares. Stop. Look, I'll raise my hand. I do a fucking podcast. I'm on social media. I'm as guilty as anybody else, but you're not important. And I'm not saying that to be mean because that's your truth, but no one fucking cares. Like uh, that's like the worst thing about social media is people have this, and this is going to sound worse than I mean, but this elevated so self-worth, like, yes, we're all important, but it's this, I don't know. How do I want to articulate this? Like the, Hmm. See, this is where it becomes poorly made because I'm not good with big words, <laughs> but you, you make yourself out to something you're not like you, you make yourself something you're not on social media. Just be you. And we're forgetting about what's in, important. What's actually real. Social media is not real. That is not real life. And if you think it's real life, you're wrong. There's so much more to life than what's on the fucking internet, but it's just led to us just, Oh, this, this guy, this guy I've never met that makes some videos. I'm going to believe everything he says. Uh, Stop. Think well, for you yourself. 100%. Like you said, the, I don't think social media, I have it because I need it for business purposes. So people know I have classes. I post content for cops could have. But after the Minneapolis and the George Floyd, I there are people posting shit. One was a friend of mine since I was in middle school. And I'm like, I can't look at this anti-police shit. I didn't do nothing wrong. And it just was, I'm like, that's it blocked and they hits me up one day like oh what happened you know i see i'm like yeah i'm not gonna look at that well i wish you had told me well i'm not gonna go to everybody i know hey i stopped following because i don't look at anti-police stuff all the time i'm just getting rid of it. i go this isn't real life i go you've been a good friend of mine for years i'm just not gonna look at that social media means nothing to me and that dude won't talk to me no more and that's fine major decision it's one of those things like you said this woman is getting paid. But it's one of those things, well, why are people paying? But there's obviously a market. And this is where the issue I have. I now I'm really going on a tangent myself. The NFL. I love tangents. Do it. You know, yeah. I'm going on a tangent now. The NFL, everybody's like, uh, they were all anti-police. You know, everybody that was a victim of police brutality, we're going to put this up. But you couldn't have 9-11 socks, I think it was, or a patch one year. But you could put all this other stuff, all this anti-police stuff. Now, were some people actual victims of police brutality? I'm sure they were, but there were other ones that were just like, you look at the background, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. I don't know about this, you know? And it's like, well, we're going to bring all this anti-police shit up and people still watch the NFL. And I'm like, well, no, and you'll complain about it, but you still watch it. And I'm like, I got a good friend of mine. He actually, he was always shit on me because I only watched college for the most part to begin with. If the NFL was on, I would watch. And he's like, he would always be like, oh, you're watching those little kids play football. And I'm like, no, they're they're adults. And he stopped watching. And I'm like, I, I got uh, and a very close friend of mine. And I got even more respect for him after that. Because he's like, no, I'm not watching all this anti-police stuff during football. But there's other people, oh, well, you know, I've been watching since I was a kid. No. If everyone that was conservative stopped supporting the nonsense, well, guess what? They'd be like, all right, do you still want to get paid? 
And you can go do that anti-police stuff on your own time, not during the game. You want to go to the media and do it? That's fine. Whatever. When I sit down and watch football, I'm here to watch football. I don't care about your political beliefs. The fuck do I care? You know, I... it's funny because this actually just came out of a podcast. But I, I'm a lifelong Broncos fan. And I remember driving around... Um, God, I feel like this was even before George Floyd when the kneeling shit started happening. Yeah, it had to have been. Something else had happened. I don't remember what year it was. And they're doing the kneeling shit, and they're protesting the flag. And I I loved working day shift on Sundays because I knew the game was going to be on, and it was nice to listen to the game. Or I, This is not safe police work, but you know, you go to a call at somebody's house, you know the game would be on. You can kind of watch in the background while you're dealing with the <laughs> yeah. call. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's just I grew up watching the Broncos, fucking John away, all the great stuff. I love football. It was just such a great getaway from life. Right. Because that was the beauty of sports. Now, I'm not saying the people that play sport. I mean, everybody has a right to say what they believe. Right. So I I don't want to. It makes me sound like I'm trampling on that. But everybody's welcome to that. Right. But people like the same with music too. Like people want to be entertained and get away from stuff. So I think as an entertainer, which if you play sports, you're an entertainer. I'm quote unquote an entertainer. Like you have to realize like why people are paying attention to you. And people were caught off guard that people didn't want to fucking get the shit shoved down their throat. I turned that fucking game off, man. And I didn't listen to a Broncos game for years. My kids started playing football this year and he wants to watch the games and being in Iowa, I'm far enough away from a city where I don't actually have like over the air and I you know who pays for cable anymore. Right. But so we don't really get games except, you know, if something comes on prime or whatever special. And I watched, I've watched a couple games and I don't know if it's just cause it's on Amazon, but there was nothing, nothing as far as political stuff goes. And I'm like, well, I have a choice to make. Do I, all right. I really like football. My kids like watching football. It's, it's family time. I know that sounds stupid because you're watching a sport, but I, I, I really like sitting down with the boys and watching the game. So it's, it's for me, it's tough, but I, I agree with your sentiment as far as fuck these people kind of thing. So I, I'm between a rock and a hard place there, man. And, and I, I get where people are like, fuck, it's just so like, it's important. And I know it's just sports and it's not really important, but I get where people are just, Ah, it's my team. It's like my lifelong thing. I get that. But I turned it off for like three or four years, man. And that's what it's, I'm saying. If, yeah. yeah. If everybody did it for three or four years or just a year, just a year of it. Listen, I'm not watching. I'm not listening to this. Okay. Well, guess what? Owners, but yo, we've got nobody watching. We got no one showing up. You guys still want to get paid? You know, the owners of the freaking teams, they're not going to put up with that for so much. Right. Like it's it's a certain point. You're going to be like, um, listen, you guys can do whatever you want when you're off. But even then, like, you know, these teams, they can tell them not to the same way you can go to work for a company. They're like, listen, I don't want you going on this talking your beliefs. That's not what this company is about. You do it. You're fired. You talked about entertainers. I don't know if you've ever seen the Elvis interview where he's asked about what his thoughts are on Vietnam. I just saw that. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Exactly. I was like, listen, it's not my play. They're like, well, well, what do you think? And he's like, I, I think I'm an entertainer, and I just whatever. Like, I, he's like, I'm not even going to comment on it. And you don't even know how he thinks either way. And you're like, yeah, that exactly. He's not a political commentator. 
football players are not political commentators. You know, celebrities, most of them are not. I don't know. Like you said, it's a getaway. It's an escape. I watch college with my kids. I grew up watching Notre Dame with my father. My grandfather watched Notre Dame football. My kids watch Notre Dame football. But college is a little bit different because it's college. It's not NFL where it was very public anti-police uh, sentiments. It's tough. And, and like like I said, like I want people to be able to express themselves. That's what's great about America. But that's all we do now. All we do is, you know, it used to just be, all right, CNN was like, you know, you'd have headline news, right? And then it turned into, well, we have all these news channels, and now we have all these commentators, commentators, we have all these commentators, and now uh, we're going to spout about stuff all day long and get people mad at each other. And now that's all social media is. Everybody's given their two cents on politics, and, you know, I'm guilty too. I do that shit too. I try not to, but it happens sometimes. But we're just consumed with it all the time. Everything is politics 24-7, where I don't think that used to be a thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, we didn't we didn't talk about politics 24-7. Yeah, it would come up. You know, we'd have elections. We'd have debates and stuff like that. But it wasn't 24-7 politics. It just – it gets fucking old, man. Oh, yeah, it really does. not that- it's, I agree with you 100%. When I was a kid, you didn't know people's political beliefs. And my parents might have like an inkling of someone else's political beliefs, and you just didn't know. And like, if I argue politics with members of my family, older ones now, that have opposite ones, they're like, stop, we don't, this is something we don't talk about. I'm like, why don't we talk about it? I don't understand the issue. I've already been drinking and it's a holiday. Let's talk about this. Yeah, it's getting a fight, man. That's and you know what? That's that's our culture here, the way it used to be, where you didn't bring it up as much, at least the way I grew up here in New Jersey in a Sicilian Irish family. You know, both sides it was it was not discussed. But my wife is from Ukraine and she said my my in-laws said the same thing. They discuss it all the time. And I've <laughs> And it's pretty interesting because sometimes you get some good arguments over like New Year's Day and things like that, you know, but they, that's something they do. That was part of their culture. Like, no, we discuss politics all the time. I mean, obviously they have plenty of reasons to where it's obviously see what's going on now and, and their, and their history of that country. That is something they want to discuss. I wanted to talk about like the social media thing and like after George Floyd, how weird the world got, because it was crazy. People would kind of come out of the woodworks and say, you know, weird anti-cop stuff like family that I, I think I speak for all cops. Almost every cop has that story, right? Where, yeah, somebody hit me up or somebody put something on Facebook and you're like, you know, I'm a fucking cop, right? You're saying all of us are bad. You know, you've known me since I was born. You think I'm a bad person now because I wear a uniform. I've been waiting for a long time to go on this rant. So I, I feel like this is, kind of relevant to this conversation so i got i got this text message i'm not going to say from who and i have to tell this text message had a profound effect on the rest of my policing a career because i was so fucking mad about it this is somebody i've known for years and years and years and i got this message warning this is this is part of the text message this is with a heavy text hi lenny I wanted to challenge you to remember that people you encounter in your job are human beings who are loved and have people they love. Please remember this when you interact with anyone of color. Don't part. 
uh, don't perpetuate this racist behavior. I know you're a good man, and I hope and pray that you're never one of those officers under investigation for such unacceptable behavior. That being said, I know you have to protect yourself so you can be there for your family and your colleagues. I beg of you, when someone says, I can't breathe, acknowledge that and take action to correct it. Please, please, please. My heart breaks every single time I hear another one of these terrible stories. This is something you don't have to worry about because you were a white male. And you don't have to worry about any of this for your white boys. Please know that I respect you and police officers most of the time. Be a role model that is so badly needed with love and respect. There is no love and respect in that text message, you cunt bitch. I'm so fucking mad about it to this day. It's this fucking like prissy ass back and forth like, I know you wouldn't do this, but make sure you're not doing this. If you know I wouldn't do that, why the fuck did you send me a text message, you fucking bitch? Yeah, that's... Wow. Sorry, I had to get it out there. But I got that text message, and that was in May of 2020. So right around the George Floyd stuff, obviously. You can tell by the I can't breathe stuff. And it just sure. it blew me away. And I, I ended up sending her a text message back, like, what the fuck? Who do you think I am kind of thing? And we ended up talking on the phone. And uh, I'm nice because because they're family. But I'm disgusted by this person. I don't even want to look at them. It, I don't know. And maybe some people would, would be different about it. I, I, I made my point very clear that I thought this person was kind of full of shit and they didn't know what they were talking about. And I said, how dare you? lump me in with something I'm not even involved in. If you know I'm a good man, why would you even think I would be involved in something shady? It just, but that's the shit that happened to cops all over the country. Almost every single cop I would, I would argue that worked during that time frame. And then people now have the audacity to the wonder, huh? Why aren't people cops? Why don't people want to be cops? Because of you, motherfuckers. Because of you. Not politicians. I mean, you elected them, and they made some mistakes. But you did this. Not you guys. I know the people listening to my podcast, it's not you guys. But you guys know what I'm saying. But yeah, that's that's my fucking rant on that shit. And uh, I know that doesn't really have to do with you, but thanks for thanks for being here for that, why I, I got that off my chest. Yeah, no problem. I was... Uh... I don't even know what to say. I got no words for that. <laughs> I'm just like I'm taken back by the whole thing. You know, and, and here's the thing is this person is in the healthcare profession. You fuckers kill way more people than we do. I don't fucking send you a message and say, hey, <laughs> make sure you don't kill a patient today. Go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. you want to talk about some happy stuff? Sure. I'm not used to sure. that. But, yeah, no. it's, it's not part of my usual MO, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily happy. It, well, it depends. It depends. I, I got some new questions new to the podcast. We we did a podcast not too long ago about ghosts and paranormal, and I thought it'd be kind of a fun thing to throw in here. What are, what are your opinions on the paranormal and ghost activity? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's bullshit? Have you had any experiences? 
I haven't had experiences. However, I going through your podcast, when I listened to the Serbian officer, I did see that. And I actually, I was standing down in my kitchen thinking, you know, what are my thoughts on the, the ghosts and stuff? Like, I'm like, or not, not so much ghosts. I, I think spirits, there's things that exist that we don't know about, especially extraterrestrials and things like that. Because you, you think about all of history, right? People lived over in Europe or Africa or uh, natives here in the U.S. or wherever the hell they were. They thought this was it. This is it. And then all of a sudden, some white dude shows up. There's some guy that's Fucking not white, white people. Shows <laughs> Somebody shows up and you're like, who the, how did this happen? Right? Like, like, I didn't even know these people existed. And, you know, for centuries, people didn't know that. So you're telling me there's got to be, and same thing with animals, the black swan, you know, the term we use. Uh, people didn't know there were black swans. I was in Australia in August for work and I came back. And I was telling my my daughter, I'm like, oh, you want to see a picture of a black swan? She goes, those exist, you know, the same way we're not used to them here. It's a, they didn't realize they existed for the longest period of time. So to say that there's not something else out there, uh, extraterrestrials, I think there is. And when it comes to spirits and stuff, yeah, I mean, actually, to say I haven't had an experience, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know if it's just a culture, uh, Italian culture or. Um, maybe, maybe you've heard this as well that, that uh, like light bulbs will start going out after someone passes away in your family. And it's a oh, I've, I've never heard about that. Yeah, maybe it's just a Sicilian thing. There might be other cultures that have that as well, or maybe it's just something from out here in Jersey. Um, I mean, I've felt like kind of things like after I've had people in my family pass away, but nothing like that. Like I didn't see anything. You know what I mean? And I've had the the light bulbs happen. It's like crazy light bulbs. They're saying they're, you know, they're still around and, and taking the energy. But, you know, that could, could also be coincidences. Well, and then you brought up the extraterrestrials. That would be my next question. We haven't done that podcast, and I'm going to pimp that oh, one out again. <laughs> no. Well, no, I, I'm going to do extraterrestrials. So if anybody has a good story, you know what to do. Email me, DM me, whatever. Voice message is better. But, I mean, have you believe, Do you have you had any, you know, experiences you see some fucking lights i know i saw that fucking what is it the spacex thing or whatever or the starlink i saw that and i was like huh this isn't good but then i found out it was starlink i don't know if you've ever seen that is that is that the thing when there's a bunch of dots yeah it's fucking yeah, freaky I, man i just saw it a couple weeks ago maybe two three weeks and i'm like what the fuck i i, I I'm call my wife i'm like get out here now get out here she missed it <laughs> and i just happened to beat her at the time and i'm like you missed it I got a friend of mine that uh, I used to work with her, and she's she's really into astrology and shit like that. And I was like, oh, I was going to reach out to you. I'm sort of stinging, whatever it's called, you know, we're talking about a starlet, whatever. She's like, oh, it's probably this. And I'm like, okay, because otherwise that's a fucking alien. You know what I mean? It's, there's nothing else that could be. I, I got to be honest. The one time I saw it, I'm I'm really glad my wife was there and she knew because <laughs> we saw it. We were driving home. And uh, I saw it and I was like, what the fuck? And then I'm trying not for my kids to notice it because I didn't want them to see it. And then they see it and they're like, what is it? And I'm like, I'm trying to remain calm because I'm like, well, if it is something bad, I don't want them freaked out. Right. And my <laughs> wife, luckily, she knew what it was. She's like, oh, it's the Starlink thing. And I was like, oh, thank God. I almost shit in my pants, man. <laughs> the next thing I want to ask you about is uh, as a rookie, did you make any rookie mistakes? Yes, of course. One had a good story. Uh, uh, one that pops out to me. I had a very good. I was very, very fortunate. I had some decent supervisors. I worked with a lot of good cops. 
over the years. I remember one supervisor. I had um, I had a guy in the car in the passenger seat. And I was like, the driver was out, was in, parked in a parking lot. I go, hey, get out of the car, my man. Um, you got a warrant. And afterwards, so I'm like, no, 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 don't ever do that again. And I was like, why? What's up? And he's like, oh, I was like, he's like, you get him out of the car. I'm like, oh, I figured because he was in the passenger. He goes, no. He goes, you don't know what's in that car. He goes, you don't know if there's a key, if you can jump to the driver. He goes, you get someone out of the car and then, you know, you tell him. And then someone else told me, uh, that another sergeant, he, he came at me a couple times with it. And I always kept with this over the years. Cuff, then search. If you got someone under, like, don't be going to search first, cuff, then search. It's just something that, I mean, I guess you could argue for that one. Maybe the opposite will go, but you know what? How much time are you going to spend search? Okay, let me check the waistband. Let me check. So to me, it made sense. Cuff, then search. Yeah, that was something I actually disagreed with my agency because they were really big on at least like a preliminary type pat down before cuffing, which my my opinion was, if you know you're going to arrest somebody and you have, and this is, this is argument. I think we could make very circumstantial because I I'm learning my agency did things very differently, but all right, I got to go on a rant. Please (laughs) God have control of somebody before you handcuff them. Because if you don't have control on them, you have nothing. And if they start fighting, now you have a fucking open handcuff and that's a weapon. Have some form of control. I uh, Apparently that's not a thing everywhere. You know, a lot of people just tell people to put their hands behind their back and throw cuffs on and they don't really have any measure of control on them or, you know, whatever. But that's my, that's my thing is, is have some control over the person you handcuff. But, you know, yeah, they would be all, you know, do your search and then handcuff them like, and we, you know, we learn, you know, takedowns for guns and stuff like that. And I guess if somebody has a gun, you probably want to get that before you're dealing with the handcuffing. So maybe there's there's some circumstance there. But I tend to agree with you. Just put the fucking handcuffs on them. If you're going to handcuff them, you have PC, handcuff them. Then you don't have to, then their hands are controlled. But yep. again, that is, do you have control of the person too? So, yeah, but I, I generally agree with that idea, but I know some people disagree. Yeah, and and those are just a couple of mistakes. I mean, I, I'd have to really rack my brain, not because I didn't make them, but because I don't remember them. You know, it's, I'm gonna try to remember the good things, but yeah, they're, uh, of course I've made mistakes. Let me ask you this real quick because now I'm thinking about tactics. My agency, when we had like a high risk stop, we would get people out of the car and prone them out next to the car in a line. I I'm noticing a lot of agencies will have people back up to them. What did you guys do? I was taught to back up, but you got to remember to Jersey's probably like most places in the car. Maybe you guys were different out there. You go to different academies, you get taught different tactics, but for the most part, we were calling people back. I can't wrap my head around that because I'm so used to the way we did it. Cause the, the idea was all your threats are in front of you. So if something does go sideways, it's in front of you where, you know, God forbid you got multiple people in the car and you got a guy coming back to you. And then, you know, you're, you're handcuffing that dude and he starts fighting and people get distracted. And now the car is not being watched and shit like that. So that's why I always think that's goofy, but I've never been trained that way. What do you think the proudest moment of your career is? 
one of the ones, and this is this is a stupid two of them, and they weren't getting guns or, or drugs on the street. It was two of them I really liked. I had a guy, it was a hanger, and he just hung himself. And uh I was my I was in patrol the first time, and they were they got the call, they sent me away from I had another call taking some bullshit report. Everybody's busy because you know it's the way it is. They're busy for a hundred thousand people plus, and everyone that comes in for work during the day, everything else. And they send me alone. They're like, we'll get you another car when it comes. This guy says he's going to kill himself. And I'm reading the notes. He texted to some of the, his wife's friend. He goes, and I guess he was cheating on the wife or something. And it says, hey, he said he's going to hang himself in the garage. Now, a lot of the times you just knock on the front door first. Like, hey, dude, you're going to hang. Come on. Come talk to me. Something told me, go to the fucking garage. I got out of the car. I went right to the garage. I lift the window, uh, you know, lift the garage door up. It was open, you know, like the, the rolling door. Mm-hmm. And he's fucking hanging there. And he just started to hang. And I'm grabbing him. I'm standing. Another guy, good guy, fucking, he, he comes by. He's not even sent there, but hears it. He's in the area or something, doing something else. Make sure he breaks away. <laughs> and uh, I'm holding him up. And he comes over and he's like, I'm like, get your fucking knife out. Get your fucking knife. Now, the dude's big dude's like fucking 250, 300, fucking big guy. I'm trying to hold him up, and he's got the the electrical cord around his neck, and he's like going up and down. And then he comes over, and he grabs I guess he didn't have a knife on him. So he holds him, and I say, he's like, and one of our mics got keyed up, and that all they said they could hear was like, fuck, shit, fuck. <laughs> yeah, so I cut him down. He started seizing. He pissed on the other. He, he got piss on himself. And, you know, he started seizing up. When he hit the ground, he got the gasp of air, and he was good again. So I was really, I actually walked around that. I felt like I was 10 foot tall. Even though the guy was trying to kill himself, you know, he still saved the dude. And then uh, another one where it was like an older lady in a car. And they were, I, the job was going on for like 45 minutes. She had dementia. She wouldn't get out. So I showed up and the other cop, good cop, real good cop. And I was like, Hey dude, you mind if I try talking to her? And he's like, yeah, give it a shot. Keep, she keeps telling me to go fuck myself. So I just kind of smiled, got low to the car next to it, you know, and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Um, she's like, Oh, she got her. You know, I got from the window going down a little bit to unlocking the doors after 10, 15 minutes. Next thing you know, I'm sitting in the car with her. She's 80-something, so I'm not worried about her overpowering me if I need to keep the car in park, you know, um, which was nice to be able to avoid not banging the window out and stuff. Her daughter was there because they found it from GPS tracking, and Sergeant showed up to that scene, at the, and he actually wrote me up for something for that, too. Like, uh, wrote me up good way. Like, uh, oh, I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> no, no. Hey, asshole, you shouldn't have sat in the car with her. <laughs> I'm going to write you up. Uh, so I saw it, and then finally... I was able to get her to go walk to the daughter's car after probably another 30 minutes of conversation. But like, those are the kind of things like, you know, it, it actually takes like a lot of finesse, you know, like you have to, to try to really communicate with someone that's got dementia. You don't want to break the old lady's window out, you know, like you don't want to have to even struggle. Obviously you're not going to struggle, but you don't want to have to restrain her. Buddies are just get her going on her own accord after making her number one think it's her her, her uh, idea and just like just building a rapport with her so i mean i got fortunate too because i came in i came as soon as i walked up smile big goofy wave like i'm an idiot you know like just something just to to build that rapport with her and the other cop's a good cop knows how to talk to people nothing against him like i got fortunate as well you know it's partial skill 
the emotional intelligence training and partial just being lucky. Um, you know, I think something that we forget about, and I've been guilty of it too, but I think probably gets preached a lot, which is actually a good thing to preach is sometimes there is a time for action, don't get me wrong, but gotta slow down a little bit and think. Slow down. And you know, because how many people would have been like, hey, I gotta get her out of the car fucking break the window and rip her out and do all kinds of crazy shit where you could just take a deep breath. You got, you got nothing but time, right? Those other calls can fucking wait, right? Nope. I'm trying to get uh, Billy Madison with slow down, but apparently I need a soundboard guy, man. I need to hire somebody. I'm too yeah, yeah. not good enough <laughs> at this. If you've listened to my podcast, um, you know, one of the things I ask is the best car. In your opinion, what is the best patrol car of all time? It's got definitely the Vic. It's got it just we got the <laughs> and I've I've driven the Vic, the Charger, and the Explorer, and just the Crown. I mean, you could just whip that thing in chases. You know, you you know just... who doesn't like Crown Vicks? Who? Den. He liked the Chargers when they came out. I remember him loving the Chargers when they came out. Um, I I lost a lot of respect for him um, when we were talking about Crown Vicks, and he he's eh, I don't really like him. Um, look, Kenny yeah. doesn't like him either, but I still want to be Kenny when I grow up, so it's okay. All right, I, I'm gonna throw a little caveat. Everybody knows what's coming next. The poop question. I'm gonna throw a little caveat onto the poop question. You're not gonna escape. I'm gonna ask you if you shit your pants, but I want the people to know if there's some body language or signs that you can tell if someone is trying to conceal that they're shitting their pants. How can you tell? That's actually nothing that I've ever looked for. (laughs) We usually smelt it afterwards. There are a couple people you bring up Dennis. We had one guy shit himself when we had to rip him to the ground. And he was like, he wanted the pants saved too. This fucking animal was like, oh no, my wife will get rid of those. It was like it was like a bar fight. Yeah, we we go in. It was one of those we probably should have waited for other people, but we just went in. We were younger, and this guy shit himself. And uh, yeah, so but there's no um. I've never tried to look and see if so. Usually the smell, which is nonverbal communication, you're not speaking to me when I smell it. Um, I myself. I've been very, very fortunate is when I listen to the one podcast, I'm like, man, have I ever shit myself? There's one time I was really close. And I, this is something that everybody's like, oh, everybody shits themselves at some point. Because I remember being in Iraq and being like going to the dock. We have Navy corpsmen for, for Marines. We don't have our own, our own medics. And being like, hey, you got ibuprofen. No, no, what is it called? Um, Amodium. Amodium. Yeah, Amodium or Pepto or something. I'm like, he goes, no, I ain't got that shit. He goes, what? Just shit yourself. Everybody shits themselves. And I'm like, but I don't want to shit myself. <laughs> like out here in the desert, 120 fucking degrees. This is definitely not the time. And I was fortunate, like just during, we'd stop on a car and just run out and, and go. But I, uh, I, I, my adult life, I haven't yet. I'm sure it's going to come at some point. We we'll probably have you got a strong sphincter. Yeah. <laughs> very very fortunate um, as an adult 
I guess your second book is going to have to be verbal cues when somebody's shitting their pants. And make sure it has the pop-ups of that so I can I can check that out. That'd be really cool. I'm Not the... Maybe Scratch the Stiff, too. I don't know. I mean, when in Rome, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get the uh, the research going on that. Well, buddy, and I'll give you a quote, too. I'm not Grossman, but I am gross, man. I'll be here all night, folks. Tip your waitress. Um, well, man, this was, a, this was a whole lot of fun. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time uh, this afternoon to uh, do podcasts with me. Do you have any words of wisdom for all the millions of listeners out there? Not wisdom, just stay safe. I like, you know, uh, of all the people, I, like, I can remember, no one just said that, which is... That is another cop cliche, but it is true. Uh, stay safe. How do people find you? How do people find your book? I've gotten great feedback from the book. A lot, a lot of good stuff. I had somebody put something on the internet the other day, in one of the groups, saying that she was able to pick up on things I brought up with. She was able to, <laughs> cliche, like you said, go home safe because of it. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from from cops, so... So, like I said, you start off with the body language basics, and then it goes into the the pre-attack indicators, which is obviously what we we want to know about pre-attack, pre-flight indicators when we could get hurt. And I've I've been very fortunate to get some good feedback. It's definitely an easy read. I mean, anybody that's listening to me here, you know, I'm not gonna. I I hate that when you read a book. I mean, there's a lot of good books out there where they're just overly academic, and I'm like, yeah, this is great information, but you got to cop it up for me. You know, you put it in some layman terms so that people can understand it. Where, uh, where do people find you on social media and where can people find the book? And what is it called? The uh, book is called Beware the Body. You can get it. I think there's three places you can get it. You can get it on Audible, Amazon. I think there's another one where you can get the, um, what the hell is it called? The audio version. I mean, you can go on Amazon. You'll be able to get the book, the hard copy itself. If you go Sean Grogan Body Language on Instagram, I put a decent amount on stories now and then. I do some of the travel, some funny stuff, and then some content as well, especially if there's like a quick fight. I want to point out what occurred before the person was attacked, things of that nature. And if you go on Facebook, I've got Sean Grogan's Body Language for LEOs is my Facebook group. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks again for your time. And then everybody else out there, you guys know what to do. Become a monthly donor. Buy some merch. It's going to be Christmas time soon. Get your poorly made police memes, ugly Christmas sweaters, which I don't think they're ugly. I think they're poorly made. But I, I'm i really proud of uh, – I did grandma got run over by a reindeer, but the accident report. I'm very proud of that. Um, I, I've gotten some feedback that I should put an alligator or an ostrich on it. Uh, did you did you hide stuff in your accident reports? I know it's probably been a while. No, no, I was like, oh, like in the um, the drawings. Yeah, that's that's the thing now. That's where all the kids <laughs> there's a rage is. Um, I was keyed into it by somebody, and I was like, oh fuck, this is funny. So if there was a report I knew wasn't gonna go to court or wasn't a big deal, like I I wasn't gonna do it on like you know somebody got seriously hurt, but yeah, there, you'd find some critters in my accident reports for sure. But um, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a, it's, that's, but here's the thing is that like, they'll take that away from us too. God forbid we have a little bit of fun. I, I get it's a fucking, you know, official document, but cops are allowed to have fun. Right. But, but like I said, you guys go check out the merch, Christmas ornaments, all the good stuff. You guys know where to find it. 
with that said, remember, according to Sean, a little bit of cocaine is okay. And <laughs> I love most of you. Bye-bye.